Oh, baby, it's Champion Barbecue Weekend. Let's go. No big deal. Just the biggest recruiting weekend of uh, the summer for OU. And maybe, Parker, just maybe the biggest weekend that we have until, what, National Signing Day uh, Part 1 next year. I, they're going to have some big weekends during the season for home games for sure, but will they get the number of top, top prospects in for a game that they have this weekend? I mean, probably once or twice, but this is... I would figure this is the biggest weekend of the year. It, yeah, man. I, that's that's what's riding on this one. And the official over-under, the official locked-in over-under, I should say, is set at two and a half commits for this weekend. That's how good Parker and I feel about uh, at least getting a couple of commits coming out of this weekend. But what if we're wrong? What if the trend continues? What if the drought here continues? And we're telling everyone to be positive. I am just wondering, though, what the response is going to be, Parker, if you come out of this weekend and the next few days after that and there's no immediate commits from this Champion Barbecue weekend because as it sits right now, you've got the number 39 overall class according to the 24-7 sports rankings with four commits to show for it. What's the freak-out factor going to be if nothing comes of this immediately? Here's what you must keep in mind, Tyler. The Crimson Chicken Littles are louder than ever, at least ever since the uh, coaching turnover happened and Brent Venables took over for Mule Shoe, because everybody wants to find any reason. I shouldn't say everybody. There are certain people that want to find any possible reason to be worried about the future of OU football. There are people freaking out on the message boards over the last couple days, Tyler, because OU's recruiting all three stars. Brent Venables and Oklahoma are about to become three-star U. Really? Tyler, I, There's two five-stars in on I, campus this I week. I did a class prediction this, this morning, as a matter of fact. Published it this morning. That did not include David Hicks. Did not include Anthony Hill. Did not include Jaquazy Petaway, Malachi Coleman, Troy Bowles. So, so the, like, the, the guys that are kind of... Close to 50-50 or right on 50-50. You didn't even give OU the benefit of the doubt. I did not even give them the benefit of the doubt. And that class that I projected, which is a very reasonable projection, uh, and our OU Insider VIPs have said as much ever since it's published. They say, you know what? I can can believe this class. Um, Like I said, no David Hicks, no Anthony Hill, no Richard Young, guys like that. They'd be gravy. But the class that I have projected has 15 of 25 – Blue chips. That's a 60% blue chip ratio. That would keep Oklahoma right around their current clip of 66%. And, moreover, it would be the number six class in the nation if yeah, you dropped it that. in 2022. That's his, um, what, uh, did Muleshoe have a class ranked? Was six his highest class uh, that he had, or was seven? I want to say he had the number four class. No, 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 it was the number six yeah. class in 2019. Yeah, 2019 so was the- this, we'd be talking about... You know, just rankings-wise, the you know tied for the, the best class you've had in a decade or maybe even over a decade. So if they finish with – if you give me the number six class right now, Parker, if you tell me that oh, you could finish with that, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and, and take that right now. And that's not out of panic for where this class is right now. There's still a lot of time, and they still got a lot of uh, prospects on the board that I think are heavy OU leans at this point. But the number six class – I think that that'd be a great recruiting class for OU. That class includes zero five-stars, by the way. So if the Sooners get a five-star, if they get multiple five-stars, you're probably looking at a top-five class. Yeah. Well, this weekend could uh, go a long way in securing 
some of these five stars, some of these high-level four stars, and the list that we've been talking about for this weekend is absolutely insane. By the way, if you've got a uh, you got a recruit you want to know about, you want more information on, Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Here's what I'm going to do. Got a list of names here okay. who are going to be visiting. You kind of tell me where things sit between they and OU going into this weekend. Let's start with the name that you just mentioned. Um, he is a top, I think, he, is he a top 60 overall player? Troy Bowles out of Tampa, Florida, linebacker. His dad is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Where does OU sit right now with Troy Bowles? Yeah, I would say OU is a sleeper team here, and that's entirely due to Brent Venables' influence. And Troy Bowles was very big on Clemson while Brent Venables was there. Since he made the move to OU, Troy Bowles has already been on campus twice, I believe, at least once, maybe twice. So this will be, at the very least, visit number two, to my knowledge. So OU's in it for Troy Bulls. I don't know that I would go as far as to say they are the front runner or even in the lead pack, but this is an official visit. And so this is significant because that means if you're taking an official visit somewhere, Tyler, you're serious about them. Yeah. So Troy Bulls. It almost means like you're in his top five at least. It basically. Yeah. Basically. That's what it amounts to. Troy Bulls is not in my class prediction. But this is a, a recruitment that is worth monitoring going forward because the Sooners are a real player. Now let's hit the two five-stars that are going to be on campus this weekend. Richard Young, running back. We've talked a lot about him. I mean, OU's in the mix, but this still looks like an uphill battle to me going yeah, into this please, weekend. Please, and I'll say it time and time again, please do not count on Richard Young being part of this class for Oklahoma. It is overwhelmingly unlikely. If it happens, hey, you know what? Great. Rejoice. Rejoice. Throw a party outside the Switzer Center for DeMarco Murray and shower him in confetti and glitter if that happens. Um, as far as Anthony glitter, Hill, right. as far as Anthony Hill, I will say Oklahoma has an inkling of a chance there. They have a much better chance with Anthony Hill than they do with Richard Young, but that one's always felt like more of a Texas A&M lean to me. Yeah, I mean, just one of many guys that OU and A&M are kind of going heads up for. I mean, two really uh, noticeable ones. So, mentioned Troy Bowles, four-star wide receiver out of Houston, Jaquace Petaway. You mentioned him earlier. You did not include him in your class projection, mm -hmm. but where's OU at with this one? I will say there are those, uh, and I'm talking about members of our national team at 24-7 Sports, people who are very, very plugged in uh, in a national perspective as opposed to a more localized perspective. There are those who believe that Oklahoma is the lead dog for Jaquace Petaway right now, and... I, I know there are at least a couple people that feel he may, in fact, shut it down and commit at the Champion Barbecue. That's not where I'm at. That seems a little overly optimistic to me. And I know he does have at least one other official visit scheduled. That's with Texas later this month. Texas is in this. A&M is in this. Ohio State's in this. LSU is in this. But apparently, Jaquazi Petaway and Oklahoma are a real thing. And if you've kept up with his recruitment, you know there's interest there. This will be his third visit to OU this year. I'm, I'm not 100% sold on it yet, but that's a guy, man, that would more than make up for the loss of Ashton Kozar. Sure. Um, now our first guy that's really on commit watch, top 100 offensive tackle Caden Green, been considered a heavy OU lean for a while, been on campus multiple times. This is the first guy on the list, Parker, where I say, mm, could it happen this weekend? No. No, I don't think it'll happen this weekend. He's taken all five officials. You know, he and I were texting yesterday, and he said, 
Man, you know what the greatest thing about official visits is? You get to eat whatever you want. I was about to say free food. I was going to get whatever you want for free. Spoken like a true offensive lineman. I know. That's exactly what he said afterwards. He said, man, I really do sound like a lineman, don't I? I said, yeah, man, but hey, you know what? Might as well take advantage. Here's here's the thing about Caden Green. Uh, I'm not saying he's on commit watch this weekend, but he's got a commitment date set for July 8th, and I'll be in Lee's Summit. So I eat eat all you. If you're no lineman and you're heavily considering OU, eat all you can right now. And not that you're not going to eat while you're here, but with that up-tempo offense, buddy, you're going to be out there uh, several snaps per game running up and down the field and and snapping the ball quick. So, All right, there's Caden Green. Maybe another guy that could uh, that could be on watch right now. Four star, PJ Atabare. Uh, OU still looks like the leader here going into the weekend. Uh, that's, I think that's probably the one guy. If I had to pick one guy, no, uh, okay, one guy outside of Jacoby Johnson because I think that's the most obvious. If I had to pick one guy outside of Jacoby Johnson that is legitimately on commit watch this weekend, it's PJ Atabare. I think there's a very good chance that he gets on campus this weekend, decides to not even bother with the trip to Georgia next week, and says, I'm home. And if that happens, he'll end up being one of the higher-rated prospects that you sign. Like Just yes. to put into perspective just how good of a player he is, he's had an incredible offseason in terms of rising up the rankings, and I'm going to guess that he's probably not done just yet. So this four-star prospect looks good, um, but it – got a chance to look even better by the time December rolls around. Be, I, I, I'm serious. He's at least going to be one of the, the top five players that you sign, maybe even top three. He very well could. He could be a top 50 player in the nation by the end of this cycle. Uh, how about four-star wide receiver out of uh, Westlake in Austin, Jaden Greathouse? <sighs> Notre Dame and Texas are the two front runners in that one. Again, though, he's already visited OU twice on his own dime this spring. And the fact that he's taken an official visit – Leads you to believe that OU has a shot. They were in his Final Four alongside Notre Dame, Texas, and South Carolina. I'm just not really buying it right now, though. I think he's bound for Notre Dame as things stand today. Top 10 safety, Macari Vickers. Uh, OU's actually recruiting Macari Vickers as a cornerback, and they have a very real chance to bring him in. OU's his only scheduled official visit right now, and I expect that he'll take a couple more. Right now, his top four consists of, and he released a top eight a couple weeks back, but he has a top four, and it consists of OU, Alabama, Miami, and Texas. To me, this is an OU-Alabama race. If the Sooners can hold off the Crimson Tide, they will get Makari Vickers. Several four-star offensive linemen will be here. Wilkin Formby, uh, what, Jaden Chapman, Peyton Kirkland, Bryson Sanders. Like where where does OU sit in terms of those four guys? Where do they have maybe the strongest lean? They got a real good shot with all four of those guys. They have the best chance with Peyton Kirkland. I am really starting to believe that they may be the spot for Bryson Sanders. This is his last official visit this weekend, uh, this trip to Norman, and he's going to shut it down within three weeks. I know that for a fact. It's just a question of is it going to be Ole Miss? Is it going to be Oklahoma? Is it going to be Tennessee? I have Bryson Sanders in my class prediction. I think Oklahoma's going to be the spot for him. For Formby and Chapman, OU's hanging around, and I don't know if there's a clear leader in either of those recruitments. Uh, So I think they have a chance to make a big stride with both of those guys uh, this weekend, but I'm not counting on it. I think the four that OU has the best chances with are Caden Green, Peyton Kirkland, 
I just completely spaced and lost my train of thought. Uh, Bryson Sanders, there you go. And uh, Logan Howland. Yeah. Those would be my four. Oh, you not the only uh, school this weekend that's got big recruiting weekends. Georgia's got a massive recruiting weekend down in Athens. Isn't uh, that where Arch is going? Arch is going to be in Athens this weekend, yeah. He'll be at Bama and Texas the next two weekends as well. So uh, one of the bigger moments, potentially, for the recruitment of Arch Manning. Alabama's acting like they're still going to pursue him. I mean, they, they signed another quarterback out of his own state. Not buying it. I feel like it's going to be Georgia and Texas at this point. But Bama's still like, yeah, we'll take him if he wants to if he wants to show up here. Okay. All right. Beware, Arch Manning. Arch Manning, you've kind of uh, cornered yourself into two schools that would make me really nervous. One school in Georgia. <laughs> one school has no history of quarterback development at all. One school in Georgia that's done a terrible job recently of developing quarterbacks and let Justin Fields walk out the door. I know that there was a situation that happened while he was at a uh, while he was at a football game, but outside of Justin Fields, like Jake Fromm did not really develop past his freshman year. Uh, I. Stetson Bennett, they won a national championship, but it felt like despite him at times last year. A lot of quarterbacks could have won a national yeah, championship yeah. if you put him in Stetson and then And then Texas. Texas has had issues of their own the past decade at quarterback. And, they you know, at least Georgia's won a national championship without great quarterback play. Texas goes 5-7 and seven without great quarterback play. So, with a name like Arch Manning, um, you've cornered yourself into Georgia and Texas. It's not the two places where I would want to go play QB. Just me. No. Ugh. Georgia and Texas. How did we get to this point with Arch Manning? By the way, props to Alabama for signing the – or getting a commitment, I should say, from the actual best quarterback in the state of Louisiana in Eli Holstein because he's better than Arch Manning is. And I would go so far as to say I think Ricky Collins is at the very least on par with Arch Manning. So Arch Manning might not even be top two in his own state. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Emil Picarella, I guess, is going to be in town this week, which is significant because we had him on the postgame show. Really? At uh, Yeah, before you showed up to the postgame show for the spring game, postgame show at Yo Pablo, uh, he stopped by and hopped on with us for a few minutes. It was oh, that's fun. fun. Yeah, it was it was a pretty fun postgame show. A whole lot of 24 and 25 quarterbacks in town hoping to become the guy. At Oklahoma this weekend. But in 24, the, the guy is very obviously DJ Lagway, if he can get him. And if he goes anywhere else, well, it's Michael Hawkins. Yeah. Michael Hawkins becomes the guy. Uh, we'll talk to our buddy Travis Davidson coming up at 235. But uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line, I'm curious. 405-651-3439. First college football team you ever hated. And I'm going to guess for most of you it's like Texas or Oklahoma State. Give me someone outside Texas or Oklahoma State. First college football team that you hate it. Text it 405-651-3439. More to come next on Locked In. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, live on the ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Oh, you guys are lighting it up on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. As always, appreciate that. By the way, if you're my age, there's only one correct answer to this question. Uh, Yeah, to the first college football team you hated, is it, is it Bama? Is that who you're no, thinking? No, not Bama. Are you thinking about it from like an OU perspective yes, or who? An OU perspective. Outside of Oklahoma and Texas, um, if I'm your age, so that means I'm in my early twenties. God, why am I totally blanking on who this who this should be? Uh, I don't know who. I mean, you stumped me on this one. Boise State. Oh, I mean, yeah, but yeah, I'm in my early thirties and. 
Okay, that's fine. Okay, first college. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah, my formative All years right, of fine. watching college football will forever Boys, be so Boise State. By... So Boise State over Oregon then. Yes, because it wasn't Oregon's like. It was, it, well, they hated, sold it. It was the their fault after that game. You hated the refs. You didn't hate Oregon. They were celebrating, then they didn't even have the ball. That's that's uh, that's what they were trying to do. But yeah, the Boise State memory uh, still lingers. The Oregon memory, not so much. But I, I'd, I'd pick Boise State uh, for sure. Parker, love all the insight. What's your prediction for final number of five stars in the 2023 class for OU? Right now, if you ask me to lay it all in line, I'm going to say one, and I think it's Jackson Arnold. I think they'll have a lot of high, high four stars. P.J. Adabari will be one of them. Jaquazi Petaway, if they get him, that's another guy that's going to be a very high four star. Caden Green is a very high four star that Oklahoma's probably going to land. So uh, at the end of the day, Tyler, here's what people don't understand. People freak out if Oklahoma concludes a class with zero five stars or only one five star because you're like, well, we're, we're Oklahoma. We ought to be landing more five stars than this. For the top 100 or so players in the nation, I mean, you are splitting hairs. Sure. In most cases, player 100 is every bit as good as player 30. So it's really about how many guys in that upper echelon you are landing. And Oklahoma has the chance to land quite a few in the upper echelon, not the least of which, obviously, are David Hicks and Anthony Hill, the two defensive five stars that Oklahoma could very legitimately land. But I do think Jackson Arnold is going to get his fifth star. And to be honest with you, I think P.J. Anabari, I've said it before, I think he has an outside chance to be a five star at the end of the cycle as well. I agree. All right, 580 agrees with you. It's Boise State. Um, we all hate Boise State still today. But you got to be your age for that to be the first team that you ever hated for sure. This one says it was Ohio State. I was five years old. I was five years old, and my dad told me they cheated. That was good enough for me. Still hate them to this day. And then um, someone in the four hundred five agrees with me. Now, when I really caught the fever for college football, it was in the late. Ni- I mean, ninety eight is kind of my earliest recollection of. I remember the uh, Big Twelve championship that year between A and M and Kansas State. So all that to say, when OU got really good is when I got really interested in 99 and 2000. So I always, growing up, if you were good while I was growing up, Parker, I hated you. And who was really good uh, in 2000 and 2001, 2002, 2003, they started to fizzle off a little bit, the U, man. Miami was the first team that I ever hated. I am proud to say that I still hate the University of Miami, even today. But back then, they were so good. They had all the swagger, all that. Um, could not stand. Could not stand Miami. And I know a lot of uh, older OU fans, where their heyday was in the 80s, will agree with me on Miami being the most hated team. Miami, I mean, Texas is easy to hate. USC is easy to hate right now. But I don't know if there's been a college football program that's been easier to hate than the Miami Hurricanes. They make it easy on everyone to be super hated, myself included. Was it just because they were not only successful but like glitzy? I, I it was more about honestly it was more about being successful because I ended up hating USC shortly after that right. Um, God, even Notre Dame had a short spell where I really disliked them. But it was yeah, it was I I disliked Miami for the same reasons that everyone else hated Miami over the years. Just you know, the showboat in your face stuff like that. Um, can't stand them to this day. And I love that they've sucked for so long, Parker. But I'd be lying if I said it wouldn't be at least be a little fun to hate them again if they got good. Problem is, I don't think that they're going to get good anytime soon, even with Mario Cristobal 
as the head coach. Somebody says, hated Nebraska. I Do people hate Nebraska? I feel like that's, a, that's kind of the rivalry where there's just like a mutual respect between those two teams and fans. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on the era, right? Like, if you grew up in the 80s or you grew up in the 70s and I said, you know, Oklahoma State and Texas not in this one, I could see a lot of people saying Nebraska. I, I And yes, there was a legit respect factor that was there, but that doesn't mean that people around here didn't hate Nebraska at times. I mean, it was still a rivalry. It was still a very important game, and I think with that definitely comes a little bit of hate. This is one that's interesting. Kansas State grew up 30 minutes away, and all my friends were K-State fans when I was really at the age to hate teams, which was in like 2011, um, which is the time they started beating us again. Every time K-State fans would act like they had no chance until they beat us and they talked endless trash on me until OU beat them the next year and they all acted like it was supposed to happen. K-State is an underratedly annoying fan base. Great tailgating and bars, though. Aggieville is awesome. Manhattan is probably my favorite Big 12 town. I, I agree with you, Tyler. I, I, I think that is an unpopular opinion, too. I think that's one that we share that not a lot of folks share with us. Because I really like Manhattan. It's as a cool. football town. Yeah. I, I think if you've ever um, if you've ever been there for a game day, I think most people are like, yeah, yeah, K-State's K- awesome. The Wabash Cannonball. That's, yeah. that's cool. SMU. Grew up a TCU fan, and SMU with their preppy, bougie selves can stay in Dallas where they belong. I expected to get a whole lot of Miami today. I expected to get some USC and some Notre Dame and maybe some Florida State. SMU is not a submission I expected to get today on the text line. That is, that is uh, I mean, OU and SMU really haven't played that much at all in the past. Uh, but this is someone that says grew up a TCU fan and they hated uh, SMU. Somebody says, I grew up two hours from Kansas State. Their fans are horrible. Interesting. They're always pretty cordial from the yeah. interactions I've had with them. Two thou- 2001 Nebraska, we lost 2010, and I was a devastated seven-year-old. All right, so, yeah, there's a respect, rival- respect with the rivalry be- between OU and Nebraska. Who did Nebraska fans, though? really really hate when you were growing up is it Colorado do they not respect Colorado as a legit rival do they hate Kansas State do they hate Iowa now like you gotta hate someone I don't care if you're a nice fan base you hate someone who is it yeah so ever since Nebraska made the move to the Big Ten those fans have all hated Iowa because they feel like they have to like well we gotta find us a rival now and it's by default become Iowa but that rivalry is so forced, man. It's so forced. Nobody actually cares about the Nebraska-Iowa rivalry. Lord knows Iowa doesn't. Mostly because Iowa beats them every year. But, yeah, that's not a legitimate rivalry. That is a passionate hatred, though, that Nebraska fans have developed over the years because they feel like they have to hate somebody yeah. in the Big Ten. So it's become Iowa. I'm trying to think who they all hated before. Then. I think they hate Colorado. Now, Nebraska fans for a while would never admit that Colorado was actually a rival. But Colorado fans, that's another fan base that's easy to hate. I was out there in 03 when OU played in Boulder, which Boulder is I, I just the scene out there with the Rocky Mountains in the background. Boulder's a really cool town. The kids that go to school there, nah, not so cool. They're a bunch of b-holes out there that go to school at CU. So I'm going to guess Nebraska fans. They are very anti-Nebraska at, in uh, in Boulder. I'm going to guess Nebraska fans don't like them that much. Gosh, I, I remember 2019. I think it was the second game of the year. 
Nebraska and Colorado played again. Nebraska yep. went to Colorado to play. Had a huge lead. Had a huge lead and choked it away. Yeah. They lost uh, They lost both of those games. They lost in Lincoln the next year after that, right? No, they lost in Lincoln the previous year. Yeah. I think that was the so game where – they swept by CU. Yeah, they Yikes. decided to roll the dice with Adrian Martinez finally and did not pan out. Tim in Springfield, Missouri says, grew up in Mississippi, hated Auburn, hated them. I've only had one experience with Auburn fans, and it was at that OU Sugar Bowl in – what was that, 2016 – I thought Auburn fans were awesome on Bourbon Street. Now, Auburn fans don't have any reason at all to hate OU other than they're not in the SEC and they're a Big 12 school. But in terms of the other SEC fan bases that I have interacted with in the past, I got to say, at least for that one weekend, Auburn fans were at the top of the, of the ones that I've dealt with. So I had that a, bad. I had a very, very close friend in college that I worked with and she was from the state of Alabama. She works now as a sports reporter in Western Georgia. And she was the biggest and only Auburn fan I have ever known. Uh, for the most part, she was very like reasonable, understood where Auburn sits in the national spectrum of college football. You know, they're, they're consistently good every year, but pretty much never elite. The one thing though, it's just like, can we please shut up about 2010? I know. Yes, that was a great team. Yes, Cam Newton was awesome. Can we please shut up about it? No, Cam Newton is not the greatest college quarterback of all time. <laughs> it's just and it, it, a lot of fan bases that have similar experiences are kind of the same way, where you have one year that you can kind of cling to, whether it's Auburn in 2010, or Oklahoma State in 2011, or shoot, I'm trying to think of some other good examples here. But basically, for any team that has had one year that stands out from the rest, generally those fans, all they will want to talk about is that one year. Oh, yeah. It's always 2011 in Stillwater, Oklahoma, buddy. I can tell you that much. Uh, also, I will confirm Mizzou fans are the trashiest in the world. And everybody said... Amen. Yes, thank you for saying that. Everyone said amen. Trent says, obviously Texas, also Nebraska. Arkansas is another that I hate, TBH. Can I throw in Florida and Miami? Yeah, I think, um, all right, so outside OSU and Texas, I'm going to do the top three here for OU fans. Okay. Miami is definitely on the list. I think Miami might be number one. And I'm putting in, like, all age groups together, okay? Okay. I still think, overwhelmingly, Miami could be number one because there's so many generations of people that hate them. I'm going to say that LSU is still number two. Okay. No one has forgotten about 2003. And at number three, um, oh man, USC's really changed things. USC yeah, re- recency bias. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, th- I think that there was still a hate from USC that lingered a little bit after that national championship game in uh, in the two thousand four season. But honorable mention, I think Notre Dame's there too. Notre Dame is always going to be there for for honorable mention in See, the history ne- OU I, and Notre Dame have. I've never been able to hate Notre Dame. Like, that's a program I feel like you can't help but respect them. Even if you do hate them, you got to respect them. 405, you guys are killing it right now, by the way. 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. Let's go up to Tulsa next segment, talk to our good buddy Travis Davidson, talk a little football, talk a little crouton, a little champion barbecue. More to come next on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Travis Davidson joined us to talk a little football, talk a little recruiting. Parker, tell me if this is weird. Okay. I was at a uh, pool party this weekend, 
And this song came on, and every time I hear this song, I think of Travis now. It's like Travis's song. So Association. Yeah, you didn't know about it, Travis, but I thought of you this weekend. All that to say that. Well, well I'm thinking about you guys all the time, so I appreciate the uh, reciprocation. Yeah, you got it, man. Hey, who's the uh, first college football team you ever hated outside of uh, OU's main rivals? Oh, my. Um, probably... Tennessee. Whoa! Oh, he's yeah, he's upset about. Oh God, who was the kid from Tulsa that ended up going to Tennessee at what? Uh, Robert, Robert Meacham. Meacham. Yes. Yep. He's still upset about the Robert Meacham ordeal. Yep. No, I. Uh, uh, as I said, I spent uh, some younger years of my life in Fayetteville, and uh, the first ever fan I remember, I think it was 1995. First ever fan that was mean to me. I was like, you know, five years, six years old. Uh, First fan that was ever just mean to me because I had like an Arkansas shirt on was a Tennessee fan. I'll never forget it. <laughs> um, so, so that is, uh, you know, fairly or unfairly shaped my opinion on the entire fan base. Then, obviously, with uh, that whole recruiting nonsense with the schooner tipping over the the ABC affiliate in Knoxville, them talking trash, and then, yeah, just they've just always been real obnoxious. And then I'm glad we were able to raid them for uh, one A. Morris and Eric Gray and Key Lawrence <laughs> and those guys. Uh, however illicit that process may have been, yes, Oklahoma did. All did above board. All, all above board. <laughs> all right, Travis. Well, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I'm going to ask you. Heading into the Champion Barbecue, OU is hosting north of two dozen official visitors. You have to pick one that commits this weekend. Who is it? Oh, one that commits this weekend. Oh man, um, trying to think because I think there's going to be like probably three or four unannounced. Uh, so this is this is first to announce. Yes, somebody's committing and announcing immediately following the barbecue. Oh man. Um, Man, I don't. I'm not, I'm not confident in any in any announcements immediately. Ah, see, this so is I, not what the people want to hear, Travis. I know, I know. I, I I do think we get probably three or four within the week, but I'm not. Oh man, I don't know. I don't. I can't. Uh, I I can't pull one out to be the first one. Yeah. Hey, you you texted me something very interesting yesterday during the rush. Is that you know a ton of official visitors at Champ U are announcing over the next couple of months. So. You know, we're kind of forecasting that, you know, maybe OU gets a lot of commits later on in the process, but your point was pretty spot on that, well, you have a lot of big-time prospects in this weekend, but, you know, there's a chance that you go into the season with a decent amount of commits just because the timeline of those guys announcing would match up with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we heard early on that, uh, you know, Venables and and Co. uh, really wanted to dial in just a couple – Big, big recruiting weekends, right? Uh, he wanted to bring value to the official visits, whereas, you know, under Riley, it very much was, uh, you know, we'd have three or four official visits at every home game, sometimes all the way up to seven, eight official visits if it were like a, like a Nebraska weekend, something like that. Well, instead of doing that where these kids can say, oh, I'll just make it up to Oklahoma for an OV eventually, no big deal, um, you know, he really wanted to put value and say, hey, you've got to plan around your Oklahoma visit. So, uh, that that said to me, you know, a couple things, right? It said to me we'd have two waves, right? Because people 
either want to announce before their senior season, uh, which we're seeing, we're going to see a lot. Uh, obviously, uh, guys like Caden Green have, have, have locked down their announcement date. Um, but with that, you have a lot of guys that want to announce after the season, whether that be at a bowl game, whether there be, um, you know, right before, you know, National Signing Day, early National Signing Day, things like that. So you're going to already have it divided into two groups. So this, I think we're going to see this first wave after the Champion Barbecue, but when you look at the list, it's full of guys that are going to be in those early announcements that want to announce before the season. So I think OU's done an incredible job identifying that, working with the recruits to say, okay, cool, this is, this is you know, the time that we've got to really capitalize on. Because you don't really want to have a guy that's, you know, taking an OV and then he's announcing, you know, in January, you know, or, or, or late December. So you've got all that time, you know, for other teams to kind of make up their ground. And, you know, the OV for Oklahoma was seven months prior. Travis, do you think it's a disappointment in this cycle if, with the obvious potential exception of Jackson Arnold, the Sooners don't sign a five-star? Say they come up empty on DJ Hicks. Say they come up empty on Anthony Hill. Say they come up empty on Richard Young. How much of a disappointment, if any, is that to you, and how much of a disappointment should it be to the casual fan? Well, with with five stars, and I am firmly in the stars matter camp. Uh, I've made that abundantly clear, so I do think, you know, stars matter, five stars matter. But, man, if you look, just, just look at some of the kids that are ranked by rivals, now on three, now two, four, seven. I mean, once you get into that top, you know, the 250, 100, anything like that, you have so many varying opinions on them that, I mean, a five-star in, in, in one class, maybe, you know, a mid-four, high-four in another, just from a different recruiting service. So it's one of those things where if you just have a ton of high-four stars, you know, mid-four stars, and you put them now with coaches that can actually develop that talent, and we've seen that, um, you know, throughout their whole careers, 13 combined national title appearances and a, a, a laundry list of draft picks uh, by these coaches, I've become less worried uh, over time about the, the, the star ratings of just the high school recruits coming onto campus. I mean, obviously we want highly talented kids, but I know that there's the Robert Spears Jennings of the world that were ranked in the 1200s, I believe, 1300s maybe, and then ended up being the third-ranked commit in the 2022 class behind Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes. So uh, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not too crazy concerned if we don't have a, have a handful of five-stars in the class. Travis Davison is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Travis Skoll, S-K-O-L. And you can hear him every Fridays throughout the summer. On with me on the Friday Rush from 3 to 6. Uh, where are you going to be this Friday, by the way? I'll be at Ash Cigar Bar. Yeah. Uh, the guys over there uh, have, done a, uh, have done a great job creating a very comfortable environment. Uh, they've got great cigars. It's not full of smoke by any means, but... Uh, very comfortable. They got Wi-Fi, and I really like the three to six hour that we're on because people can start their weekend early, can come by, have a three dollar domestic draft or a three dollar Stranahan's whiskey, and uh, and yeah, relax and take in the show. I'm uh, looking at AthlonSports.com, guys, and they have their Big Twelve Football 2022 All Conference team up. First team, second team, all that. Zero Sooners on the first team offense. Zero Sooners on the first-team defense. Now, I'm like probably both of you and saying, what? That's crazy. Who, who, who should be on this list, though? Who's the surefire guy 
that should be on the first team uh, defense, offense, whatever. <laughs> Marvin freaking Mims? Yeah. Marvin Mims, yeah. I was, uh, Z- was going to try and beat Parker to it. Quentin Johnston <laughs> at TCU, Xavier Hutchinson at Iowa State, Xavier Worthy at Texas. So they had three receivers. All qualified candidates, sure. But, no, Marvin Mims should be there somewhere. I think McCade Mattire should probably be on there as well. Which, by the way, I feel bad for those three wide receivers because Spencer Sanders is the first team uh, quarterback that was on that list. So, Ugh. big yikes for Ugh. those guys there. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm appalled. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, he did win it last year, but I think that that was more of like, oh, God, who are we going to pick this year at first team? All Big 12 uh, quarterback. What about defense, both of you? Danny Stutzman. I'm going to go I'm going to go Ethan Downs. Okay. I I, I I think he I think he ends up uh I think he ends up first team all Big 12. Sooners could have um, a lot of guys that could be first team. Well, all they're Big 12 definitely going to have more than 0 on they, both they, sides. They will of the ball. have more than 0. No, <laughs> yes. I'll say what in uh 2020 I guess they didn't have any guys at all on defense, correct? Yeah, it's true, but I mean Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas both got shafted. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't a secret. So Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that was a, a li- another list this offseason where I said, "Wow, the disrespect, pretty incredible." All right, Travis. Hey, keep good- it coming. Keep it coming. Yeah, no doubt, man. Hey, good stuff. Uh we'll talk to you on a Friday at 3 o'clock up there in T-Town, dude. Sounds great. See you then. Thanks, right. guys, as always. There you go. Travis Davidson, at Travis Skoll, S-K-O-L, on Twitter. We'll close up Locked In. Coming up next, keep it locked on the ref. Elite Roofing Systems bring you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, live on The Ref. Elite Roofing System, they're servicing all of Oklahoma's roofing needs. Let Craig Cox and the team at Elite Roofing put over three decades of experience to work for you. 405-361-3094, that's their Oklahoma City office. Tulsa, 918-984-5475 or EliteRoofing.com. Mike in Springfield says the first team he ever hated was the University of Alabama, uh, because back in the day, the SEC was not dominant, yet Bear Bryant won national championships while he played a cupcake schedule. That always peeved me. It's an interesting point. It's a you know something about the SEC that's always amazed me. It is the premier conference in college football right now. I don't think anyone would argue with that. I think it's always going to be, from here on out, the premier conference in college football. It's got the most passionate fans, right? It's got the best facilities. It's got, you know, the most money, all that. But blue blood teams in the SEC, Parker, there's only one. It's Alabama, and there's not really another school to me that can real, you know, have a solid claim to being a blue blood in the history of the sports. Alabama's the only one. I mean, LSU's won three natties since 03, but that didn't make them a blue blood to me. I guess, no, Alabama is kind of the one school that you would give the blue blood label to. Florida didn't really arrive until the 90s. I mean, Tennessee was good here and there, but have rarely been dominant in the sport. And not to take anything away from the SEC, it's, again, it's the best conference. It will continue to be, but it's almost like it was a serious late bloomer. Georgia has been a notorious underachiever for most of its existence and is just now getting its act together. It's kind of odd like how the SEC figured it out about 20 years ago when they're finally starting to live up to their capabilities. I think it was Bear Bryant, actually, that said, you know, if Florida ever got its act together, that we're, you know, it was over for all of us. It was over for the rest of us. And Florida it's never really got attacked again. Florida, a couple times it has under Spurrier and then under Urban Meyer, but outside that, you're right, man. Not not so much. What in the world were they thinking when they hired Jim McElwain or Ron Zook? 
Ron, oh my gosh, I forgot about Ron Zook. So did everyone else. Oh, wow. That was an era. Florida fans would like to forget about Ron Zook. That was an era right there. There was an article on CBS yesterday, uh, biggest things that each first-year head coach needs to accomplish. For Brent Venables, it's instilling a defensive culture. You agree with that or disagree? No, that's not the biggest thing he needs to accomplish. That almost implies that you're not sure whether he's going to accomplish it or not. I think in the loosest sense, in the most technical sense, yes, that is the number one thing he needs to accomplish. But I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to accomplish that. So I'm almost looking beyond that at this point. Lincoln Riley's was just uh, one word, winning. (laughs) Just said winning. That was it. Okay. After all the hype and everything, they said, well, now he needs to win. Okay. okay, every every coach needs to win. Every, it doesn't matter if there's hype or not. He, they, they still need to win. Same thing for Dan Lanning at Oregon and Billy Napier at Florida and Brian Kelly at LSU. Brent Venables at Oklahoma needs to win. Yes, I would agree. That's Pro- just so dense. Problem is, I don't think uh, USC is going to be as good as uh, most people, especially nationally, think. They're just not buying into this 10-win USC team this year. I'm starting to buy in. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't think they'll be able to stop anyone. Uh, and and I know that there were times at OU I, where they couldn't stop I, anyone. I'm having but. to talk myself out of it. I'm having to talk myself out of believing the same lie that I believed with Muleshoe's teams year in and year out for the last five years. If nothing is, else, the college football gods won't allow them to win ten games this year. That's probably true. Divine intervention. Yes, exactly. Nope, this, is, this is not happening, Muleshoe. You will be relegated to a 7-5 and five season with a loss to Oregon State in I there think, somewhere. I think they win eight games. That's what I'm saying. It's an eight-win team. Yeah, um, Might be around seven or eight, somewhere right around that. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans.